Now, I said at the very beginning of the year, right, when we had our church business meeting, maybe not quite the very beginning, I think it was the end of January, but either way, right at the, you know, and I said, you know, this year we focused a lot, excuse me, I have to take this off, it's a little small, I've been working out so my shoulders are big. This is good, we're starting off with laughs today, that's usually a good sign. All right, so, so, um, but I said at the beginning, right, that we've gone, we've gone through a lot of, the first couple of years, we spent a lot of time talking about some milkier type things, you know, milk versus meat, good things, things we need to understand, things that I constantly need reminders of, stuff like that. But I said this year, my plan, my plan, was to be a little bit different. We were going to go a little bit deeper, handle some more harder subjects for us to understand, or at the very least for us to like. And um, then God said, well, I have different plans. And we dealt with COVID and we dealt with all of that. And what does it look like? What do we look like in a COVID world? How does a Christian respond to? And, and, you know, there's been a ton of stuff going on, whether it be on Facebook posts or whether it be the election or how people respond to certain things that are going on in our, in our political world and stuff. So we've spent a lot of time talking about that sort of stuff. And how do we as Christians interact with people? How do we as Christians show who Christ is in a world that is so Christless? Not, you know. And as I was going through that, we finished up that, that chapter of Hebrews there, chapter 12, and I said, well, should we do the whole thing of Hebrews? Maybe. Sometime. It didn't, it didn't sit right to start going through all of Hebrews. You know, sometimes, my dad, this is going to be the longest intro I've ever had. Who knows if we'll actually get to preaching today. My dad has a way of just knowing it's called discernment. It's one of the spiritual gifts. And he has it in ways that I've never seen anyone have any sort of spiritual gift before. If he has a gut feeling, it is right every time, without fail. And I have the gift of discernment, not in the ways that my dad does, not nearly to that level. But there are times when, you know, I just get that gut, and I'm like, this isn't it yet. Sometimes I listen to it. Sometimes I don't. When I don't is usually when I wind up in some sort of predicament. When I do is when I find myself not in a predicament. But so as I was going, okay, should we do Hebrews? I had that gut feeling, not, no. It's a great book. It's chock full of incredible truths, but it's not what we're going to do right now. And I went, well, okay, God, what are we going to do then? Because I came with my idea, and apparently it wasn't right. And I was reading through, I was sitting in the office on Monday, and I was reading through some stuff, and I came across a verse in Ephesians, and it's like it just clicked. And I went, all right, let's study Ephesians. The only other book in Scripture that is more theologically difficult and um, intense is Romans. But let's talk about Ephesians anyway, shall we? So... We're going to be in Ephesians, and we're going to take, this is going to be fairly long. Over the next weeks and months and such, we'll take a break from it every once in a while and such. Um, but it's a, not a big book, but there's a ton in it. So it's going to take some time for us to work our way through it. Here's the other thing. There's going to be stuff, as there is throughout most books in Scripture, but there's going to be stuff in this that you don't like or that you possibly don't want to agree with. There's a lot of stuff in Ephesians, including part of what we're going to talk about today that I don't like, and if I was God, I would have done it differently. But I'm not God, and he does everything perfectly, so that means that this is the perfect way. I want to challenge you as we begin looking through this stuff. 
One, study it for yourself. Do not just take my word as gospel. Now, if I directly quote a verse and say, listen, it literally says this, then you're going to have to take that, but not because it's my word, it's because it's God. But if there's stuff in here that you're like, I'm not so sure, I encourage you, as I do with everything else, but I encourage you, study it for yourself. And as well, when you come across the things that you're like, well, that doesn't fit, sit right with my theology, I want to challenge you, fix your theology. Because if the Bible doesn't fit with what you think, or you don't think with what the, fit with what the Bible says, one of you is wrong, and it's not the Bible. You'll find that out throughout all of your life. So let's read it, shall we? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. It reads, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he proposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heavens and things on earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to praise to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. If you have an issue with the wording of that, don't blame me, blame Paul. He was a lawyer and he wrote like it. So it can take some time to kind of decipher what he's saying. He would have been great if you had to hit a word count on an essay. He'd just ramble on and nobody would, you don't even know. You sit there and you go, what, what did he say? But let's unpack it because it's so chock full of some truth. So number one on your note sheet there, every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing. Now, we start off here, the first two verses are your common greeting in a letter from that time. You stated who you were, you stated what your authority was, and notice Paul's authority is in Christ Jesus. He's an apostle of Christ Jesus. He, at this point, could have said, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. There's ton, tons of stuff. Read in 2 Corinthians when he lists all the things he's gone, he's gone through. Or read in Acts, which is technically the Acts of the Apostles, but it's pretty much the Acts of Paul. He could have said, I'm all of these things, but no, his authority and his strength, his base comes from the fact that he is an apostle of Christ Jesus. So you state who you are, you state what you're doing, you say who you're sending the letter to, and then you say something nice. So that's the common greeting. So then we see every spiritual blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. First off, you get 
this blessing through Christ. There's no other way to get it. Works won't get you there. Adherence to the law won't get you there. It's through Christ. What is this spiritual blessing? It's your salvation and all that it entails. Right? Salvation is the greatest gift we could have, but it's just the bottom. We get to one day spend eternity with Christ in heaven with a room. I know the King James says there's many mansions. The technical uh, translation of that is actually rooms. So in my mind, it's just one massive apartment building. And so I tell somebody, and we've all got rooms, so I tell somebody when they're annoying me that their room in heaven is the broom closet. <laughs> Still better than any room you're going to get down here, but... But we spend eternity with him, and that's such a hard thing to comprehend. We can't comprehend eternity. We can't. We have no ability to. We know a definite beginning and we know a definite end, but we don't know what it is to go on. Now, our soul, spirit, whatever word you'd like to use, will do that. But we and our human selves can't comprehend that. And when I try to, I still somehow always get to an end. Oh, 10,000 years. Cool. Are we even going to be counting years at that point? What's it matter? How long have you been in heaven? 36,000 years, 482 minutes, and 30 seconds. Great. Your record won't beat anybody else's because it's eternity. But we get to spend that. And so you get this spiritual blessing. And it is a spiritual one. God blesses us here on earth. There is no doubt about that in so many different ways. But everything that we look forward to, everything that makes us do and be who we are, right, it's because we look forward to the spiritual blessing. I'm going to jump to number two now because it's already 1026 and I don't want to keep us too late today. Number two. So number one was every spiritual blessing. That's pretty easy. Number two. Here we go. Predestination. Number two is predestination. It took me till I was about 20 years old or so to believe in the doctrine of predestination. Why? Not because it wasn't explicitly written in Ephesians and Romans and other places, but because I don't like the idea of it. God, in his infinite wisdom, chose who was going to get saved and who wasn't. That is what predestination is. And this says he predestined us before the foundations of the world. Before he even begins creation, he said, Samuel David Brush, born 9th, September 9th, 1994, at 9.45 p.m., he will be one of mine. And I had no choice in the matter. I don't know why. There are tons of people I could think that would be well better suited to further God's kingdom than me, but he chose me. That doesn't let us off the hook doesn't mean we do what we want to. It also doesn't mean that we don't share the gospel with every person that we meet. But it means that before the foundations of the world, he chose you. Now, here's the thing. Because I've had this debate with a lot of people. They'll say, well, how come if he's all good and he's willing that none should perish, which he is. The Bible says he's willing that none should perish. It's in there. How come, this is how they all sound in my head. How come not everyone can get saved? Answer me that. See, Jesus isn't real. I'm like, well, actually, Jesus was real. We have historical documentation that the man, Jesus, existed, but we won't go there because that's not what you're actually getting on about. Here's the thing. We like to look at this with a human viewpoint because in my will, in my idea of justice and right and good, yes, predestination should not exist. But here's the problem. Who turned their backs on God? 
us. It was not him. He did not turn his back on us. So the fact that he decided to save one person in all of history means that he is gracious and merciful. And he chose to save millions. We like to look at things from a human perspective. Makes sense. We're human. But we can't because God's the one that does this stuff, not us. So I can't deny the doctrine of predestination. Five years later, six years later, I still don't like it. I still wish that he had done it a different way sometimes. Because there are times when I lie in bed and I think to myself, are my friends who I've done my darndest to get saved, are they even supposed to? I got to keep trying because I don't know. So I got to keep trying. He chose us in love. It says it right there. Uh, now see, I, forget, I lost the verse. Oh, I can't find it now. It's in there. You'll find it. Thank you, sir. End of four. He chose us in his love, and he chose us by his own will. I love that. In his love, he chose us. He chose me. Put yourself, if you're ever struggling with if God loves you or not, put and take out we and I, uh, not uh, I, take out the we's and put in I or me, depending on which grammatically is correct. And it changes the outlook of entire verses. Church, I can't deny the doctrine of predestination. It's written in there. It literally says the word. That's not even like, oh, we think it might mean this. No, he, he explicitly says God chose. Willfully chose by his will in his love. I'm thankful he chose me. But you don't know who else he's chosen, which is why we have to go and preach the good news to everyone. Because we don't know. And we are his hands and his feet here on earth. So number one was every spiritual blessing. Number two was predestination. Number three, redemption. Number three is redemption. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. There are three aspects to redemption. Three aspects. I wrote them down there. Number one, it is always through the blood of Christ. Anywhere you see the words redemption, it is always through the blood of Christ. There is no other way to be redeemed. Right? Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Even in stuff that's not Scripture, we immediately follow it with talking about the blood of Christ. The second thing is that it's the removal from the curse. You know the curse written in Genesis chapter 3? We are removed from that curse. It doesn't mean, ladies, I'm sorry, it doesn't mean that childbirth still isn't going to be painful. It still doesn't mean that men, we won't have to toil in the earth for, for goods and stuff like that. It's not that type of removal, but it's removal from the ultimate end of the curse. And then the third part of it is, it's a release from the bondage of sin. Notice, it is not a release from bondage. It is a release from the bondage of sin into the bondage of Christ. But it's almost like not being bound when you're in the bondage of Christ. Make no mistake, we are slaves, we are servants, we are bought with a price, a very high price. I tell Maddie all the time, whenever I want her to do something, I say, I bought you, I spent 40 bucks on you. In case you're wondering, that's how much a marriage license costs. And then she usually glares at me and does not do what I've asked. Makes sense. I wouldn't either. But God actually bought us. You are a slave. I know that has this horrible connotation as it should in an earthly way. But in the heavenly realms, to be a slave to God is not a bad thing. 
It is the best thing. Here's the thing. You will be a slave. What or who are you going to be a slave to? You don't get a choice to be free. There is no such thing as freedom. You will be a slave into the spiritual world, right? You will be a slave. Who are you going to be a slave to? So redemption is always, and through the blood of Christ, you're removed from the curse and you're removed from the bondage of sin. Sin has no power over us anymore when we rely on Christ. Because you'll sit there and say, well, pastor, I still struggle with sin. You're darn right you do. And you will, till we're up there. But we don't have to at every turn because we have Christ in us. I know we're flying through this first, but we're almost done. I chose a bad week to start this because we had communion and stuff like that. So number one was every spiritual blessing. Number two is predestination. Number three is redemption. And then number four is basically the same thing as number two, except it's the word sealed because he changes the term. You're sealed. And it says that we are sealed to Christ at the point of salvation. Here's the thing. Not only were you predestined to be his, you can't leave. You have a secure salvation. Nothing you do will ever separate you from that. You could walk away from God. You will still be saved. Now, I would question if you were saved in the first place if you can just walk away. But your salvation is secure. It says from the point you get saved, you are sealed. You are his. That's it. You don't, it doesn't change. And the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in us is this guarantee. It's the down payment for it. It says it's the pledge of your inheritance. God said, I need to show you that you're mine. So here's this. Right? If you ever bought a car, if you've ever bought a house, anything like that, you always have to find out, well, what's the down payment? The Holy Spirit is Christ's down payment for us. Because we're not in heaven yet. We're nowhere close to heaven yet. There are some who believe that like this is basically heaven at this point. And I'm like, dang, that's not good. <laughs> if this is heaven, I don't want, I like, obviously I don't want to go to hell anyway. But man, if this, if heaven is supposed to be the ultimate good and this is heaven, can you imagine what the ultimate evil is? Or not evil, but the ultimate bad? Because hell is not evil, it's, it's prison basically but you're secured and you have this down payment in the holy spirit because god said you're gonna need to be reminded because we're forgetful because we're fickle we go from place to place and we just forget things or we get we get anxious or we get um I, my mind's blanking on me but we we end up saying what well, christ did you really do this? Did you really save us? And if we didn't have the reminder of the Holy Spirit in us, we wouldn't have something to stand on, really. God said they're going to need a down payment, a pledge of assurance that I will bring them home. That's one of the reasons the Holy Spirit's here. There are other reasons, but that's one of them. Paul says it right there. Sorry, right there. My parents and family like to pick on me because apparently I say the word dare a lot instead of there. I also apparently cannot say the word, the word wolf correctly. They say I say wolf like a dog. No, it's a wolf. It has an L in it. They also don't like that I say exactly. There's a T in it, people. It's not exactly. It's exactly. 
This is coming from somebody who hates English, just so you know. But you were sealed. I was sealed. If you've accepted Christ, you are sealed at the point of your salvation. The moment you cried out to God and said, I can't do it on my own. I need you. Done. I like to think that God's got a little stamp in heaven just right on your forehead. That one's mine. It's got a crest, a coat of arms. I don't know. We're sealed, people. So not only do you have this assurance that Christ wanted you, you have the assurance of where you're going. I want to encourage you this morning as we're finishing up. There is no point that you need to wonder where you're going if you've accepted Christ. It does not matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the circumstances you're in. It doesn't matter who you were before. It doesn't matter who you are now. What matters is that Christ sealed you. Now, yes, he's working, as it says in Romans, right, all things together for the good of those who love him, which means we're more like Christ. We're supposed to move on in this sanctification process, but you're his. And here's the crux of it all. He says it so many times throughout that whole section of verses. It's all to his glory. Every last bit of it. The redemption, the predestination, the sealing, the spiritual blessings, every last bit of it. It's for his glory. And man, does he deserve it. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you this morning. We praise you. We thank you that, yes, you chose us before the foundation of the, of the world. You chose me. I can't understand it. I never will. Yet you chose me before the foundations of the world. And then you saved me and sealed me. I am yours. And though I have walked away in the past and said, I, don't, I, I believe in God, but I'm mad at you. And though there have been times when I sin times, days, every day, you still say you're sealed, you're mine. Father, some of this doctrine can be hard for us to grasp or hard for us to like, but you know what? I praise you that it's in there so that we can learn and grow. Father, I ask that you would help us as we walk through Ephesians. Grant us spiritual insight and knowledge that only the Holy Spirit can as we walk through this book together. Father, we praise you. It's in the name of your Son that we pray. Amen.